the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. All right, welcome to the show. We're here with Preston Caffrey, who's been in the origination business for over 20 years. And he does a ton of non-QM, but also has originated over, like in one month, 40 loans with no processor. But knows how to originate non-QM. We're going to share a ton of ideas. Also, we're here with Austin West, who's also done a ton of non-QM loans, and he runs a team, works for Fairway, uh, and is ready to share his secrets with you about how to originate non-QM. So welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on in the market? It's crazy. (laughs) Market is amazing. Yeah. Yes. In fact, it it actually is really good for non-QM. It is. Because we're no longer in the, the rate shop world. Yeah, you don't have a, a, a borrower call and say, can I get 2.1 and no, nah, I can get, give you 2.2. And yeah. then, they're, then they're like, oh, next, right? In, like, in fact, now every time they call, it's actually higher. So you're, it's, <laughs> you're, you're doing the opposite. You're like, you should have locked. You should have yeah. went with me. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, right. for the first time, I did not get pushback when I quoted a bank statement loan to somebody. You know, I think it was at 5375. And they're like, okay, so we're pretty close to what everybody else is paying in the market. Let's yeah. get this thing going. So usually you always have the uphill battle. Yep. But this time, now that, you know, even though non QM is going up as well, right, it's not as dramatic. Yep. You know, I think over the last four months, we've seen like a percent and a quarter, percent and a half increase on the agency mm-hmm. side. Not quite as high in jumbo, but compared to maybe three quarters on yeah. non-QM. So it's like the closer those margins get, the much easier it becomes for us to right. originate non-QM with all those annoying pushbacks that you get. And I think to remember that there was a time not so long ago when we sent on a flyer, actually IMS Lending Days, yeah. 5.99 30-year fixed. Mm-hmm. And this people were calling in and they could not believe no this has got to be fake there's yeah. no way for 30 years how do you get that low of a you're rate? gonna do that yeah yeah so i mean let's take a step back and realize that yeah rates are higher than they were right but it's i mean if you had money right now just remember would you loan it to somebody and if you would what return would you want on your money 20 percent. okay so <laughs> that's the thing right yeah. so i think people need to take a step back and realize they're borrowing money yep at the end of the day, and, and I had to borrow money to buy my home, you know, like when you borrow money, it is what it is. So to realize that we're still in a great time, rates are still really low, uh, th- business should be happening. I think that non-QM, if, if at any time is now gonna hold its stance and say, we're here to stay, this is, this is, no, this is not the subprime of the world. No. Right. This is a real legitimate marketplace. And, right. And I think it's, it's, really it's good. an answer to the ATR problem, yeah. which is what the banks, you know, the banks require, you know, this, this, I mean, the law, right, requires ATR to be proven. And the banks just never got savvy enough to do bank statements. They didn't want to mess with it because it was like, you know, that's going to be tricky or whatever, More you know, safe work. harbor and all this yeah. stuff. Right. But like, I mean, ha- how you think about, um, you know, with the interest only feature as originators when you're selling these loans how often do you first now lead with payment do you lead with payment or do you still lead with the rate like when you talk to them about their new well you gotta look at the market you know if you asked me six months ago i was leading with rate if you ask me now i'm leading with payment right right and to to hop on his point too something i've been loving to do obviously is to work for you so you know i'm a numbers guy i always like to pitch things in a data data type way is I pulled all of the rates from every month going back until uh, pre-crash, so 2006 to current, so about 17 years at 15, 16, 17 years of data. 
And the average rate over that entire period of time, including the three years in history where rates were the absolute lowest, I think it was something like 2010, 12, and 19, I think were the three on a 12-month total year average. That 16-year average, 15 years, I think it was what it actually was, with three of the lowest averages in history of mortgage rates, your average on the agency side was still 4.99%. So if that's your average with three of the lowest years in history inclusive, but you can look at a non-QM bank statement loan, even at some of the minimum downs, as long obviously FICO requirements, 24 months, sure. things of that nature, you're still sitting in the low fives. I mean, it, it yeah. becomes a no-brainer at that point. Can't remember the question you asked, but I just want to pile on that. <laughs> it's like, you know, people yeah. love to get caught up in this moment. Like, well, back in November when I started looking, it was this. Well, right. But let's look at the bigger picture. Yeah. If you were buying a house in the 90s, you were paying probably 7%, right? Yeah. In the early 2000s, you were paying right around 6%. So it doesn't matter if you're sitting the high fours, low fives right now. You're still getting an incredible rate yeah. if you look at the bigger picture of what everything brings to the table. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Where like when the rate does a little snap like it just did, all of a sudden everything like takes the wind out of the sails and your and your borrowers are all like what and they kind of yeah. you feel like they're gonna go away you feel like your pipeline's gone and you're like have this depressing moment but then you like you know then the phone starts ringing again they're like well I shopped around and everyone's high you're like yeah that's the market right and and so let me see what I can get you and yeah. then they're a little more like accepting at that point right I mean yeah is I, that what you're I'm not selling been? rate or Payment. Payment. I, I actually sell qualification. Oh, do you do you even qualify? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because yeah. at the end of the day, that that is the reality, right? You, right? you can promise the world with a low payment, low interest rate, whatever, but if you can't get the loan, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. What is a two so, percent rate if you can't even get the loan? Yeah. Let's yeah. start with qualification. If you qualify, now let's look at the payment options. Let's look at the rate options. Yeah. You know, interest only. Whatever. But like. I think a lot of people, especially self-employed, or, or I would say the non-QM community, yeah, when they come in because they got turned down by their bank, right. the first question is, do I qualify? Yeah, right. So that's and true. so let's let's say yes, we can get you money, and now let's figure out that part. Let's because, figure out what rate you qualify for. Yeah, because there's a wide range of rates. Because you don't qualify for the bank rate, right? But you qualify for maybe one of our rates, and maybe a private, if not, maybe a private loan rate, right. which is going to be even higher. But um, yeah, that's. I think with that mentality, going off the quali qualify thing, you're also. Um, it, it's kind of more of a referral kind of business because because if they got turned down by a bank, then they're they are worried about like, do I even qualify for right? So that that kind of leads us to, you know, where do we find these loans, right? Where do we find mm. non QM loans? Yeah. And I know you guys find them because you're submitting them and you guys are still you know in business and rocking. So let's let's start with you know. Preston, where like where are your loans coming from? I know you get a lot of referrals from past clients and business, and that that's that's great. But like, if you were to go try to find new business right now, like where where the, where are those loans coming from, or where would you go? Yeah, it, what's funny is it it's kind of the same as it's always been, which is when you need more business, right? When when referrals aren't coming in at the level that you'd want or whatever along those lines. For me, it's it's always going back to the original sources, which is CPAs real estate agents. And what's funny in that sort of like the financial planners of the world, those are the people who I'm doing the non-QM loans for first. Right. So as we're entering this zone in this time, I'm actually doing loans for the agents, for my financial planners, for the CPA. And then they're going, okay, 
they know it's real. They can get the loan and it's not that yeah. bad. The rate's not that bad or the, the payment, I should say, is not that bad. Right. right. And so then they are now saying, hey, well, I've got a guy that needs to get this. And, yep. and so that's how the referrals are coming in is through that source. And so I think letting them know, look, this is still available. While other things are tightening up, as rates go up, as, as money gets tight, mm -hmm. these loans are still available. Yeah, the rates are different. But yep. it, it, at the end of the day, it's you want to buy a house, you want to refinance your house you got to qualify first. And so going to the sources who are helping people get into homes or helping people file their taxes, right. manage their money, that's that's always been the best source for me. That's good. Yeah, no more flyers. I, I got to do that again, though. <laughs> yeah, that's expensive. <laughs> you got to spend money if you do that. Otherwise, it's just fun lunches, right? You go that's to right. lunch with your realtor, <laughs> your, your CPA, or whatever. What about you? I know you, you have a lead system, right, with Fairway? Or yeah, so our team, uh, I think we're at around 15 producers now, and we're a very big lead generation team. So on average, per day, we'll have between 50 and 150 leads come in for our guys. So we're, we're purchasing the thousands of leads per month. Wow. And, you know, there's upsides and downsides of that, but one of the upsides is a lot of these leads that we get are the people that went to their bank right? Like most people do. That right. is the first place they go. Number two is online right now. Online is the fastest growing lead generation source outside of people going directly to the bank right now. They go to the bank, they can't get qualified. Right. Most people just think, oh, my bank doesn't know what they're doing. They're not a mortgage company. Let me go online and see what else is out there, right? Yep. So we'll get these leads that come in that said, yep, I went to my bank and talked to them. They don't qualify, but you know, do you guys have a one-year tax? They aren't even aware of what's offered. They're just kind of throwing their fishing line out there, hoping something's able to bite. So strangely, you know, a lot of these new uh, originators that we brought over in the last year or two, they had history doing this with other companies, but never once in their life did they talk about or even know what a non-QM loan was. Right. And for somebody that started in wholesale, only ever knowing non-QM, yeah. you know, I did a couple hundred million in non-QM business before I ever read an agency guideline. <laughs> right. It blew my mind, right? How yeah. we have... I can think of a couple in particular combined, these guys had done over a hundred million in their career, but have never once even looked at, discussed, quoted, or knew a bank statement loan was an option. Yeah. So the first thing was, it was about understanding how to have the conversation with a lot of these leads. And I think that's where a lot of LOs get caught up is they can be difficult at first right. when you don't know what to do, right? When you're looking at doing a bank statement loan, it can be a little cumbersome at first. Wait, I got to collect 24 and how do I do the income and do I do it this way? And I got nine ways of calculating the income. How do I fit in? Do I have to talk to the CPA? Do I not? How Right. right. You start looking at the information and at first it feels pretty cumbersome. So a lot of people just put those off instead of reaching out. I know for a fact, every one of the AEs you have here they're willing to spend, let's all get on the phone with your borrower if I need to, or yep. let's set up a workshop, or let me mm -hmm. send you, uh, you know, wh what do you need? Some slide deck that walks you yeah. through exactly how to do this. And we'll calculate it for you, right? Yeah, yeah. and I see this, This I don't want to call it a problem, but let's call it a problem. A lot of LOs get so stuck in their lane mm -hmm. that they don't necessarily want to learn new things or venture outside of what they've done that has always worked for them. Right. But yet, if you ask those same people the question, if they thought the industry is the same as it was five years ago, 99% of them are going to say no. Well, why are you doing the same thing then? Right. So first thing it is, is really educating yourself. It's not even about going out to the CPAs or divorce attorneys, 
Chris Link was always big at attacking these divorces, right? There's right. a lot of creative ways. Those are tougher loans that you can that you can find these loans. Though right. first, it's about understanding how to get the most out of the borrowers you're already talking to. Right. So obviously, we might be in a different position going through as many leads as we can. But like I said, we have originators that have been doing this for years that never even knew it had, had knew how to have that conversation. So at Fairway, do they still are you know in your kind of sphere? Do they still pass on some of these non-QM leads and just hand them to? other LOs that are willing to take them or does just like on your team, does everyone just gobble them up and take the leads? Now and, they gobble them up. Yeah. Cause, yeah, it, cause you probably taught them how to yeah, do some non QM. I started reaching out when I first got there to other teams that I knew were throwing them away. I'm like, just throw them over to me. Yeah. I'll throw your referral fee. Like the way our company works, you can mm-hmm. tag two people on it. Company will still take the person care of the referral. So it's like, yeah. it's a great format. So these people that don't even want to touch them, I'm like, wait, you know, you're getting business yeah, and you just don't want to take the time to learn it. Right. Everything I, I try to think about is compounding, right? So yeah. if you're saying no now, how much did you just lose? Of, but sure, send that stuff to yes, me. I'll, I'll be happy. That's always been the weirdest thing in this industry is that this is your career. Yeah. This is your job. Yeah. I, I, I want to know everything. I want to know every guideline as much as I can. This is what I'm doing for a living. Yep. It's not like this is I'm going to do this for a year and then I'm going to go on a surf trip. This is my career. Right. And I'm shocked that it hasn't been taken more serious by yeah. people because it, it's incredible. It's a great, great business. Yeah. So the the long-winded way of what I was getting at is you, you, we, again, something you see in this industry is we tend to start to do something only when it's presented to us. Mm-hmm. In the sense that if you would actually take the time to learn non-QM in and out before you've ever done a loan, mm-hmm. Right. If you understand truly how the income works, go through a couple bank statement examples within an account executive. Yep. Go over a couple prior scenarios. Learn the program as if you've been doing them. Mm-hmm. That automatically gives you this confidence to start attracting those loans that you may have otherwise not even known were out there. Right. Right. So it's about bringing awareness around the programs, how they work and what's available to you or even no ratio. This isn't even just about bank statement. Right. Obviously, it's the most popular route. Sure. But your no ratio, no income programs. How many investors do we have out there that constantly want to buy an investment property? Mm-hmm. You go to qualify them. Hey, man, you're sitting at a 62% DTI. Can't do anything. That may not even know that in the non-QM world, your debt to income <laughs> doesn't even matter. Right. We're going to cash flow on this property alone. So it's about getting familiar with the programs themselves so that you're so confident in what you know that even before you've done a non-QM loan, now when these things are presented to you, you have a whole new arsenal mm. to kind of put out there that start attracting things, right? Right, right. Manifestation's a big, big key world in sure. the world right now, right? If you take the time to truly understand something top to bottom, you will start to manifest those kind of loans, right? It's because so true. you're bringing awareness to something that you didn't otherwise even know existed. Yep. So that's the big thing there. And that's something we've realized with a lot of our guys is, and to my fault, I didn't start doing this till about six months ago, but we started going over some of the key things to look for. You know, a lot of times you have these application questions and you don't even get to the, I'm self-employed. You kind of cut them off at the legs with, oh, I don't have the down payment or whatever it is. You mm-hmm. don't even get to that point to where you're allowing yourself to explore these options. So it's kind of changing the tune of the guys, asking the right questions, looking for the right things. Um, and then when it comes to external partners, realtors. Mm-hmm. If you ask your realtor how many times, because some of the better ones out there, 
they will kind of pre-scrub these borrowers for you. Yep. But they will also shoot themselves in the foot by pre-scrubbing these borrowers for you. Oh, yeah. They're like, I don't know if this guy's going to qualify or whatever. Yeah, I went to the bank. I'm self-employed. I write everything off. Bank didn't tell me I qualified for much. You know what? Yeah, talk to me next year. We'll just redo your taxes. So these realtors end up casting off a lot of these borrowers Mm -hmm. that you don't even get the chance to have the conversations with. So I started having conversations with my partners. Hey, do do you remember anybody in the last year that didn't qualify with a bank that was starting to look, yeah, I just didn't feel like wasting my time though. Mm-hmm. You know, granted it's only happened twice, but that's in like the network of 10 I worked with and both of them were over a million dollar loan amounts. Yeah. There's two, two you know? deals right there. So it's like being a lead shop, we have less realtor side, but I know a lot of, you know, like you, I know most all of your partner relationships are realtor side. Yeah. You're not a lead generation shop, right? So I know a lot of LOs out there that depend on this realtor business or Let's say you're newer to the business and trying to build your book. Mm-hmm. Utilize this as you're in with realtors. Do you have any borrowers that want to look for homes that you kind of cast off because they didn't think they qualified over the last year? Right. Yeah, give me their info. What if I get you a free deal? You give that realtor a free deal off something they never expected, you just gained a business partner for oh, life. They'll take right? your call every time. Too. Absolutely. <laughs> One of the things I think is a benefit that you get being someone who has leads that come in is, and tell me, I'm going to make a guess, but tell me if this is right, you pre-qualify buyers and you bring them to your realtor partners. Yes. And that that act right there is you're, you're doing the opposite of what so many LOs do. So many LOs are just that don't have business, just call their realtor, hey, do you have any leads for me? Versus, hey, I've got a lead for you. You know, the difference is so massive, right? Always. Yeah. So the scale of it is what ended up being pretty wild. So this is something that we just closed the deal on, don't know how else to say it, about seven months ago. So knowing the type of volume we do with this lead generation and how many pre-approvals we spit out, like I think our team right now, we're sitting on over 900 pre-approved borrowers. Um, we have a few dialers on the team. They're taking like 200 applications each, each a month. So we're spitting out so many pre-approvals. Well, you got to put them somewhere, right? You got to make it worth it. Right. So um, we'll leave the names of the companies out, but there's a company that we had built a relationship with about two years ago that we knew they only, if you worked at that realty firm, you had to send your deals to one of three lenders they used. So we knew knowing this industry, eventually one of those lenders is going to, you know, shit the bed. (laughs) And so we got to squeeze our way in. So we spent 15 months sending them every pre-approval. They're in like 30 something states. We're licensed in about the same. Every pre-approval we'd send over to their team first in hopes that one day it would pay back. And it did. So over time, one of the lenders shit the bed and they're like, hey, you guys gave us $60 million in referrals over the last year and a half. We squeezed I think in. It's about time to start using yeah. you guys. Yeah. And we we were one of the third. So yeah. now we're one of the three lenders at a company that has almost 500 uh, realtors across the country, right? And we yep. get referral business back just the same way. It doesn't matter what the scale of that is. If you're a one man LO shop, go find yourself a four person realty shop in your local area. If you send them one to two deals a month or every other month, mm-hmm. that is the same as us sending them 60 million of the, right? They, they sure. do they do 500 million in volume as a team. So our 60 is nothing compared, just like your two deals and a right. shop that's only doing five a month, that's life-changing for that shop. Now you're getting that business back and forth. Yeah. And then throw the non-cum knowledge on top of that. And again, you just gained a partner for life. So I think 
we get caught up so much in how we do things the old school way that we forget these little loopholes that can help establish these relationships. Such gold, little golden nuggets right there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, man. What, what else? As far as referrals, I mean, you, you named the uh, CPAs, the divorce attorneys, the, I mean, doing these like, like lunch and learns kind of thing is always a good idea. Yeah, I, I think the DSCR would be something worth talking more about. Um, that, that program's incredible. And again, it's, it's, it's investor only, right? Right. You know what you're getting into. Everybody knows what, but that, that program has opened up so many opportunities for a lot of my clients yeah. who are investors who are looking to buy more, add more to their portfolio, have 10 finance properties or more or whatever. But it, it, the DTIs just don't work out conventionally. Right. So they pay a higher rate, but they get the home and it cash flows. I mean, that's the, the beauty is, is. They, you got the 40-year fixed, 10-year interest-only option on those mm -hmm. DSCRs. It's like, it is made for an investor. It's made, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's given our, our environment that we're in right now with, with inflation and all those things, like, why would you not want to borrow money for 40 years? Exactly. <laughs> well, if you think about it, if inflation's at 7.9, and so in one year, your dollar became 7.9% less valuable, but you borrowed at, say, 5.9%. You just, they paid you 2% to borrow that money. Like it's, it's, it's like free money, right? So, well, not to mention five, nine might be the, the real interest rate, but if you do the interest only program, you're cash flowing at it even better than a 2%. Even better. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you already have, and a lot of people, what I've realized is a lot of people for some reason get scared of that interest only thing. But when you're looking at the investment route, you're already bringing in so much equity. You're yeah. putting 20, oh, you 25, 30% down anyway. Right. So why is your concern interest only when you've already built so much equity? Right. You know, even if we look back well, to 2008. Well, it's got a stigma. It's, it's, yeah. You know, don't take an interest only loan. Yeah. You've always heard like the grandfather say, right? Or like the, the wise people, like don't take a 30-year fix, right? But it, what is that 30-year fix doing for you if, you know, it's obviously a great tool if you're, if you're very, you know. And it is a 30-year fix. Yeah. Yeah. You just start it 10 years later. Right. <laughs> you're going to kick that can down the road. But for now, yeah. you at least can get into the property. You can have a better cash flow. It's, it's and you can make a principal payment if you want. It's not like there's a penalty on it. Exactly. It's like they, they have these fears of looking back at 2008 because, well, what if it flips and lose equity? Well, even if you look at that, you put 25, 30% down on investment, which most people do on a DSCR anyway. Right. Even if you look at... 2008, the average homeowner lost 21% equity. So even if the worst case scenario in the market we've ever seen happens, yep. you are still not upside down and you are still cash flowing on a property. Right. So it's like, that. that's what I love about the DSCR is I don't keep, okay, keep throwing it at me. I don't care what way you look at it. Yeah. There's not a lot of ways you lose on this program. Here's how we know it makes sense is that the bigger mortgage companies are now offering this the the a paper lenders mm -hmm. are adding this dscr to their portfolio they don't they don't do that no you don't you don't do that if it's not a good program yeah. i mean that right. this is it non-qm invented it but it is going to be adopted I, I mean give it a year everyone will be offering it yep. period because yep. it makes sense everyone's and there's a market for it there totally is ball street wants it it's yeah good performing great loans Gets around the the D, I mean the DSCR now you're just using cash flow to, to That's qualify. That's a business purpose. It's, yeah. it's yeah. yeah yeah it's a win. They're quick loans to do. They're light dock. I mean it's easy. Yeah, and I think that's another important outlet for partners referrals finding this business yeah. um now that i'm saying it out loud i'm just sitting here like man why don't i take advantage of this more because i got two partners that i routinely get referrals and again going back to the same people i 
blasphemized earlier. We get caught in our same routine and mm-hmm. don't tend to venture out, but hard money lenders. Yep. Right? The biggest thing about hard money, their fear always, right? They're pretty much willing to do everything. You just got to prove to them that they have an out strategy, yep. right? That's that's always their big thing. Like, sure. okay, I'll lend on this, but what are you going to do? Exit strategy is the right. first question exactly. they ask. First question, yeah. exit strategy. So DSCR, again is the biggest outlet for exit strategy. As long as the property appraises at an LTV that you need and you have the FICO requirements, pretty much nothing else matters. Right. Number of finance properties you have, all the other stuff doesn't really matter, right? So you're giving these hard money lenders an easy outlet, even if you're setting your pipeline up for... Hey, every time you get somebody that comes to your door, I'll do a free consultation call with them to help you establish what their exit strategy is going to be two years from now. Even if that's your way to kind of get integrated into this, Mm -hmm. right? Or everyone usually has one or two in their back pocket. What are you doing with your exit strategies now? Uh, We just kind of hope our borrowers find something. Great. Again, let me have a shot at all these. So Uh, if you found the right person, they just give you a list. Here's all of our clients that we want to pay off because they're deal junkies. These private money guys, they want, let's churn it, get the points, right? So they'd happily just say, you know, call these, see if they'll refi. Yeah, like, hey, right. what do you have coming up in the next six months that you need to get off your books? Right. That they haven't committed to something yet. And then they can go back and, you know, get another deal with them or whatever. I mean, it's, 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 it's the business is so out there. We just have to find it. And, and money hasn't stopped. It. That's the thing. No, and, and the desire for money. Right. It's just rates have gone up. Yeah, that's and it. And so all of a sudden, adjust. The, the business is over. <laughs> no one's working anymore. <laughs> rates are up. Uh, Depressed. It's, people are get the bottles out. They're drinking more. <laughs> no. And that's fine. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, the business is out there. And I think what you're talking about, <laughs> you're, you're talking about being proactive versus reactive, right? So we got so lazy with the, the easy low rates and the, just the business flowing that it was so easy to just sort of be reactive. Like, oh, I got six you know, new loans in my inbox today and I don't need to be proactive. I can just react to these six new loans and... You know, and then close them, and I'm good. And then no six new ones. More come tomorrow, right? I mean, what was your top month? Like, how many loans did you? What was like the top loan number of of units? You uh, units during this heyday. Like my highest volume was much different than my highest units. Yeah. My highest units was like 16 units, That's but still a lot. My not even near my top volume. I ended up getting a lot of little, you know, 250 poppers. And stuff. <laughs> Those yeah. matter though, right? Yeah. I mean, you get a lot, yeah. I mean, non-QM, you know, tends to be little higher loan amounts typically because right. they're you know usually usually self-employed people. A lot of them are in California and Florida and, and ski resort areas, so they just happen to be bigger loans. But and and you guys nicely cap. Like, this is the minimum we'll go to. Oh yeah, yeah. It makes it a lot easier yeah. to. Oh, I'd love For to, sure. but I can't. I'd yeah. love to help you do that thirty thousand dollar <laughs> car <laughs> loan on your house. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we. Yeah, we all get paid on volume, right? That's yeah, that's the business. Yeah, so you know, and then with inflation, so you know, and then also just appreciation with these homes prices. I mean, there's a lot of people who have so much equity trapped in their home that you know maybe some of them want to pull out cash and then buy an investment property or you know just diversify. I mean, have you seen that where people are like, hey, I got a million dollars in my home equity. You know, I've got a low rate, but I'm willing to. To give that up, have you seen that yet? Well, because that's coming. I think something that I want to, and, and maybe you can share more light on, is let's say someone bought their house for a million; it's worth two million now. Yep. But the rate they have is is three percent. 
They don't want to get rid not of that. Not going to get rid of that. I mean, yeah. it's 3% 40-year fixed 10-year IRA. It's the greatest deal I've ever gotten in my life. Sure. Why would I get rid of that? But I want to tap this equity because I do want to buy an investment property. Yeah. Obviously, they're not going to refinance. Is there non-QM options opening for people to tap that equity? Like a like bank a statement? cross-collateral cross you're talking about? Or, 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 or second? Yeah, or a yeah. bank statement second or There's stuff rumblings. like that? There's rumblings. Okay. Seconds might be around the corner. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the, the values are there, right? Yeah, they're there. I so, mean, and they're L, they're low LTVs. I mean, you know, they can right. pull out three hundred thousand cash and still be, you know, if their if their loan was a million and their house is worth two, and you pull out three hundred thousand cash, you're still really low LTV. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, and people taking advantage of the equity. Somebody we all know and love, Jason. Yeah, you know, he bought his first after not being able to buy for so many years, going tax returns. We bought his first investment property three years ago using bank statements. Ton of equity. Waited now. a year. Equity built up, did a cash out of the property he purchased, used that to buy another property with his bank statements, waited a year, value went up, used that equity to pull out my yeah. third property. So here he is, somebody that four years ago didn't think he'd ever be able to buy a house right? because he writes off everything. And then over the course of the last three years, bought three investment properties that are crushing it on Airbnb, utilizing the equity from the previous purchase he did to buy the new one. Mm -hmm. Only had to come out of down payment pockets once, qualified all of his stuff with bank statements, and the cash flow overrides and supersedes any rate he's going to get anyway. Right. Right. So Yeah, he did always... the, an, an amazing thing for his future by doing that. And he wouldn't have been able to do that without appreciation, without an non-QM loan. Without your guidance, you know, I don't know if which one of you, I think you did you do the one? But yeah, I mean that, so there's just, there's just loans. You have to tap into them. You just got to, you know, use creativity like you're doing with, with Jason and like you're doing with your, your, your clients and you know, your, your referral partners. It's, it's all out there. Um, I think, so I just wanted to touch on, you said, you know, I can bring some light to I've been, I'm a little older than you two. So I kind of seen one cycle before you have like, and um, when I got into the business, we were selling, we were selling rates at eight and a half and six points. That was our first mortgage rates, and uh, it was it was a, like a subprime company, right? And even the the fixed thirty year fixed were in the sevens on prime, like on a, on a prime jumbo or prime just Fannie Fannie loan. Um, what the cycle was was all these people had these lower rates, and the rates were higher. They ended up taking out seconds, and so what we would do as a subprime company is we come in. We'd we'd have them, you know, we we they'd be like, I just need a, I need a, I need some relief. I can't afford my life. Like my credit cards are this much. My car loan is this much. My house loan is this. My house is fine. Like you know, but all these other things are, you know, and I and I, I can't get a third mortgage, right? Like th there were thirds. Like we we did thirds for a while, but yeah. you know, they had a first, second, and a third maybe, right? And then there's no there's no more room to go after that. But they still had equity in their homes because this was like in the in the late nineties, mid to mid to late nineties. And so then you had to consolidate all of that into one loan. So you take their first, second, maybe a third, their student loans, their, I don't even know if there were student loans back then. I just threw that out there. But um, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they were, <laughs> but, but they weren't as big of, as they are today, yeah. right? Like they're- so College is a little more expensive now. College has gone crazy. <laughs> um, and so then we, and then they had like 10 credit cards, right? And then, and so we took their credit cards, we put it on a, on a sheet, I hand wrote it. It was like, Chase, you know, here's your payment, $600. And it was like, Twelve hundred dollar, you know, maxed card, and you just list the, the the card, the the principal balance, and then the payment, and then you at the bottom all of their debt. You you come out and it was like six thousand dollars a month or whatever it was, and their 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 income was say seven. So they're like, there's no way they can live this way. Like they're just that's why they keep going up on credit cards, and so then 
we would do a whole new first mortgage and then take that's that's what did I say seven six thousand down to four thousand on a new first, and they'd be like saving two grand a month, and they would just like no brainer they would do it over. It no over. longer mattered about rate. Yeah, it was this payment. Yeah, and we could charge them six points, and we could do eight and a quarter, and it still helped them out in their life. I mean, it was a thirty year fixed loan and. You know, so then they did that, and then when the rates dropped, they refi, save more, you know, and save more and save more. Some and of they them no were, longer were under debt or right. any sort of yeah. So I mean, I think that cycle will come back. I think the seconds are going to come back, and then you'll see people tap into that equity, and then you'll see still people using credit cards because we're just Americans and we have to spend money, <laughs> right? And so that's just going to happen, and and you know, so I, I do see seconds coming around, and then you know, construction loans coming around and, and different things because there's just not enough properties being built and yeah. builders are Demand still... Demand is still high no matter what. Well, yeah, because if someone gets kicked out of their rental, then all of a sudden their rental is double, right? Or they're not kicked out, but like they just, the, the time comes and their rent's up and they want to sell the property or whatever, move back in, and then the value goes up and then the renter's stuck. They're like, what do I do? You know, and, and so if you own your house, your payment's fixed and then inflation... Right, it's easier to pay back that debt. Right. What else, guys? Should uh, should brokers um, and loan officers fear this current market that we're in? I mean, we've just kind of answered that, right? Yeah, I mean, the e- easiest conversation to have with the borrower, and it's like it's so elementary that you wonder why you get pushback sometimes, right? And mainly in the purchase market, refinance, I get, and like sometimes it just doesn't pencil out. It's not going to make sense, but. It's like when people start complaining about where interest rates are, I'm like you're renting, you're paying a hundred percent interest. Yeah. Like what 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 else matters? Nothing. I don't care if you're at seven percent. You're building equity in something. Right. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, the only thing that should matter is are you comfortable with the monthly payment? The interest rate should be a, a non-existent factor in that. Right. So it's like. That's the conversation I'm repeatedly having with borrowers right now. And it's kind of funny because it's like, yeah, well, you know, six months ago, I feel like we missed the boat. We could have gotten in the high threes. I'm like, you're paying 100% interest right now. Why, why does interest rate matter? Right. And I kind of go quiet. And then they go quiet. <laughs> and there's just like 30 seconds it's awkward. awkward. Like, <laughs> quiet. You hear the breathing. But it's like you, you hear the wheels turning like, hmm. oh, yeah. Like all that matters right now is you secure the asset. Yep. That's it. Right, because look, I I can sh- if you want data, give me an hour and I'll show you any piece of data you want. Yep. Look at the market values and rates are going to do this for eternity, just like they always. You're have. going like this. I think it's like this. Right. Yeah. Very, whatever it is. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Over time. Yeah. Right. Over time. Values. Yeah. yeah. Value, values. Yeah. I'm thinking more rate market. Rates, like yeah. you're you're gonna be in this ebb and flow constantly for everybody that refinanced in 2012 or rates hit three four nine for the first time in history mm-hmm. that every LO said this is never gonna happen again. You think they expected to get the two two five they got about a year and a half ago? No. Mm-mm. So it's like all that matters right now is secure the property, quit paying rent. And if you're comfortable with that payment, nothing else should matter right, right. now. As, nothing. as long as that payment doesn't change, like we saw in 05, like 07, when that all those 228s were adjusting and then people couldn't afford their payment. Well, yeah, right? I mean... That's not, that doesn't exist anymore, other right. than the five ones and the seven ones, but... Even you know, those, I mean, you, you have still plenty have of time IO. and they're way better and you have IO. It's like... Right. 
but if you have concerns about all that, 30-year fixed is never going away. Right. We always have that option. Yeah. So it's like interest rates should never be part of the discussion because if you can get out of your rent, you're starting to build wealth and equity. Over time, mortgage mortgage values are always going to increase. Home values are always going to increase. Right. And we will, with 100% certainty, sometime in the next five to 10 years, hit a rate dip in the market and we will refinance you out if that's your concern. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like if not at the end of this year. Yeah, yeah, if not at the end of this year. So it's like to get yeah. caught up in what the market has just done over the last four months and have this like nihilistic mindset that, oh my gosh, business is going to end. Well, that mindset alone is what's going to make business suffer for you. Plus, I think if, if the goal is interest rate, what they're really saying is interest payment, What how much money they're spending in interest mm. at the end of the, the life of the loan, right? Because if... If that's what you're meaning, right? Interest rate, people like it because it's an easy way to say that. But really what they're meaning is how much money I'm actually spending beyond what I paid for my home. If that's really, really that important to you, then even if rates are 8% right now, we'll pay your house off in 15 years and you just got a 4% rate. You know, like yeah. cut it in half. If, if you care so much about the interest you're paying, then A, don't borrow money, right? But B, if you're going to borrow money, then pay it off as fast as you can. If that's if that's a focus, but I think once you get into that mind frame, then people start to realize, oh wait, that's not what it is, right? Yeah. I'm, I, don't, right. I don't need to pay my home off in 15, 10 years. Mm -hmm. What I really want is I wanna be able to leverage what I have so that I can benefit my family, my future down the road. Okay, now, now we're having a different conversation, but yeah. it's just, it, it really is, and, and to nobody's fault, we, we've been bred in this, what's the rate? What's the rate? What's the rate culture? And I think it's it's partly, you know, not to get political, but it's the school. I mean, our schools never taught any financial literacy about home ownership, about interest rates. I mean, they, they teach you algebra, they teach you, you know, some, some stuff about interest rates, but it's not a practical right. education about leverage and using interest rates to, create, to gain wealth. Yeah, and even more specifically, you know, I think it's Dave Heidi that has joked about this a couple of times. Like, we're one of the leading uh, producers of income in the country, right? The mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. What we bring to the GDP is insane, but yet there's no school for it. Mm -mm. Even when you get into this, you learn from somebody else just trying to hold your hand and figure it out along the way with you. Like he would say, some people that don't even know how to spell mortgage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's hard to spell mortgage. Mort. Mortgage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, there's no education around it on understanding that the, the things we like to focus on from a borrower perspective mean the least. Yeah. You know, and I had kind of a funny, one of the newer guys on my team was like, well, think about it this way. The higher interest rate you pay, the bigger your tax write-off is at the end of the year. <laughs> I was like, well, if it's going to work, man, you keep using it, you know? I love silver lining. Yeah, man. I do need those write-offs, so, yeah, give me a high. What yeah, you, you're writing off more interest, yeah. you know? So, hey. You quoted me a five. Can I get a six? Yeah. I need the write-offs. It is weird that there's no form of education. Because, again, like, the whole idea, even the American principles was built on, like, getting the white picket fence, right. raising a family. American dream. But that part of that was owning a home. And so if part of the American dream is owning a home, why would that part not be taught in school at all? Even at the most elementary level. Yeah. Like, like, el like, like just leverage. Yeah. Like in, 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 in house and, you know, it's full and then is it paid off? Then once it's empty, you can, you know, fill with more things or what? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. How, how is that not a conversation? It's crazy. It's, it's crazy that it's not. It's a secret hate against the mortgage industry. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from. Someone doesn't like us.
Yeah, and again, it's, you know, people, we, we get so myopic, we don't look at the long run. It's like my mom. She bought her house 20-something years ago. Sorry, mom. Got really screwed in 2008 with her 401k, and the equity she built just sitting in her home is now going to fund her retirement. She did nothing but pay her mortgage every month. Yeah. Did interest rate matter? And she was going to have to pay some rent yeah. or a mortgage right. no matter what. Right. But did her interest rate matter over the last 25 years that allowed her to build a couple hundred thousand dollars in equity to make her more comfortable in retirement? No. Mm-mm. Could have been 9% and that equity is still going to be there. Yeah. Even if it's you just know? interest only exactly. for, forever. Yeah. Um, what do you tell the broker that is just like, nah, QM's dirty. It's just, it's... It's it's not even legal. Like it's it's just not a good business. It's subprime. Like they're totally right. <laughs> <laughs> they could. So there's some loans no. like that. <laughs> no, you know it's funny. It it and especially now, like non QM when it first started, it it felt that way. People were unsure. Didn't make sense. It felt like it was subprime revived and and just with a different face. But it's not at all. And in fact, submit a non QM loan and and look at your approval. There. There are things that that are being checked better than agency yeah. stuff. So, I mean, in the, the day, we're we're looking at all their bank records, like for twelve or twenty four months, Can't versus there. Yeah. versus like, yeah, just give me an asset statement and you know your whatever. Now you're they don't you. care if you go to Sinopolis or like get Chipotle <laughs> yeah. every day. Like, there's, uh, there's no judgment in that. But. You're going to Victoria's Secrets. Uh, <laughs> you're going to uh, the casino. That, <laughs> like, they don't, they don't no, do that. like no, it's strictly <laughs> the financial. Tax system is literally. I mean, we see it all the time, right? There are loopholes built into that to purposely be able to manipulate. So just because it's on a tax return doesn't mean it's any more official than you give me your business bank statements for the last two years. You cannot hide anything from me. Right. I'm going to be able to see it all. And I've also done, you know, in your case, maybe in the billions in business now, you understand what businesses do pretty well. Yeah. We know a restaurant that comes in and says their expense ratio is 50%. Like, get the hell out of here, dude. We (laughs) know how restaurants operate. We know you're not crushing it that much. Yeah. So you're able to better utilize. And like you said, you know, your approvals might come out with 20, 30 conditions. It's like, they're going to do their due diligence to make sure that you're writing a good loan. So it's not like you're hiding any information. You're still having an actual income figure at the end of the day. Most of the time you got to get a CPA involved. If you're not doing a fixed expense ratio program, like there's a lot of checks and balances to make sure. And I, Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a couple years. Didn't they release after like the first five years that non-QM was out? Didn't they release the default and foreclosure mm-hmm. data, and mm-hmm. it was lower than what agency was? I don't know if it was lower, but it was very close, similar. Yeah, it might have been lower. I thought it was low. It could have been lower, but even if it's the same. Yeah. Well, that's that's the whole thing. It, there, 2009 is not going to happen again because of non-QM. Right. 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 It's a we, totally different world. Investors are smarter. The way that we're, the whole thing is protected. But also, this isn't like 99% loan to value purchases where you're paying neg am. Like, you've got to put real money down. You have to really be making money. Most of these loans have 20, at least 20% down. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take all the information off the board. I'm going to ask you what you think is riskier. Three and a half percent down, 57% debt to income ratio versus 10% down. 50% 50% debt to income ratio. What sounds worse? Yeah, it's obvious. Right? right. FHA on paper seems like it's way worse than a non-QM loan. Way worse. Way higher DTI. 60% of your monthly income yeah. pre-tax can be spent on a mortgage payment. Right. Right? Yeah, and, and they'll take lower FICO. You only have to put 3.5% down, down to a 580 yeah. FICO, yeah. zero reserves. Yeah. Or 
10% down, higher FICA requirements, and reserve. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like... It's but but no one felt weird doing an FHA loan. No, no, like, oh, ever. Of course, this government. Oh, five seventy nine FICO. Let's do a rapid rescore. I get you to five eighty two. Put you in this loan with only three and a half percent down with down payment assistance. You <laughs> zero down. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, you know it, which is sent. Yeah, you could down payment assistance is a loophole of getting zero down because these counties want you to buy a home so they can get their tax money. Right. Right. It's like. Yeah, FHA, on paper, take away the names of the programs. You compare them side by side with just the minimum requirements and what you're bringing in from an equity position and all of the above. It looks way riskier. So that's why I always kind of chuckle when people are like, oh, nine kims. I'm like, how? Yeah. Please explain. You know why it's the name. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They're not qualified. Because it's called (laughs) non-QM. Like, you got to give... Yeah, someone's got to come up with. Yeah, I always name. thought that was. Kind I of know, fun. I hate it. I like Alt superhero a. loans. Alt superhero loans. Superman loans. Alt A, I think was the thing I was just never for. stuck, man. No, yeah. you remember that? I was like, <laughs> yeah, this is an Alt A deal. Didn't we have even have a banner of it said? Alt- yeah, and when I would call brokers and talk about it, they're like, ah, oh, I'm doing non QM. Like, well, wait, what is non QM? Why don't you just say that? Uh, yeah, I mean that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just had a better name. So I'm curious, um, you mentioned, you brought up FHA. How many FHA loans have you done in the last couple of years? I mean, is it a lot or Lots, is it like a, percent, yeah. a percentage yeah. of your... Yeah, I'd say um, FHA is... FHA and conventional probably battle for the top spot. You know, non-com is the lesser part of my portfolio. Just with yeah. being a lead generation source, you're going to have a right. lot more people that fit within that box. Sure. Right? Um, but and were I'd, most of those purchases... All of them. All yeah. purchases. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd say, you know, probably 80% of my business is FHA and conventional, probably 40 and 40, with mm-hmm. 20% running out to be like the non QM, which the nice thing about non QM is they're always the high dollar amounts. Right. So it makes up for five of these FHA loans I'm usually trying to push through, you know? Right. Would you say one non QM loan is, is about the equal, like, as far as time spent, one non QM loan is equal to five FHAs, or is it? Again, I think this goes back to one of the first things I said, where it's like, you just got to, you got to be willing to spend the time to hone your craft. And maybe I don't think it's that difficult because I had a leg up being an account executive for quite a few years doing non-QM. But like when I have a bank statement loan come across my desk versus an FHA loan, I feel zero difference between the two. I'm like, okay, I just need to do these things compared to these things. Sure. Right, like there, there's no difference between the two because I have an understanding. So if you yeah. take the time to truly learn how these loans operate, right. there you you shouldn't have like this disparaging feeling of oh I got a bank statement. No, it's yeah. just you collect different documents. What else is different? Right. Title and escrow process is the same. Closing speed is going to be the same. Your contract's going to look the same. Yeah. Your down payment's going to be the same. Like the nothing really changes except for okay i don't want your tax returns i want your bank statements strangely less documents Mm -hmm. because the bank statements substitute the tax returns w-2s pay stubs Mm -hmm. p&ls balance sheets cpa letters yeah and if you have an easy one where it's like we can do a straight 50 percent fixed expense ratio they make so much money i don't even need to get creative with like a cpa expense letter or anything now you're avoiding everything. I have bank statements. Fifty percent of that is income. I'm done with income now. Yep. Like wh- how and maybe assets easy. too. If it's yeah. 
Yeah. So there's enough in there, there's yeah. Enough in there, yeah. yeah. Or and then you look at this time period of the year, and it's like, oh, I got to use last year's tax returns on this one. It's like, okay, you got to file, and then you got to owe the IRS. Now we need proof from the IRS. Avoid all of that. You need none of that paper trail. Give me your most recent 24. We are done with income. Yeah. So at the end of the day, again, as long as you get that fear center out of your way of just mm-hmm. feeling overwhelmed and encumbered by not knowing what to do, take the time to understand it. And you realize a lot of times these are easier right. because also the better you understand it, the cleaner your submission is up front, the mm-hmm. cleaner your submission, the less conditions. And I, I've been guilty of that. I've submitted some pretty <laughs> dirty loans and it's day 29 and I'm freaking out that we're not closing compared to I take my time up front. We're 20 days in and I got to clear to close. Well, well, you know, that's on me. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, yeah. If you yeah. just take the time to understand it, there shouldn't be like this, this mindset difference. Between but the for those who don't want to take the time to understand it, my number is, <laughs> <laughs> you can always refer the deal yeah, to Preston. Send it my way. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, you know, some loans are going to be tougher than others. Always, whether they're FHA or, you know, VA or if they're non-QM. friends and family, it will always yeah. be tougher. If they're a buddy of yours, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, if you've had a bad experience, I'm sure you've had bad experiences with non-QM where you're like, God, this is tough. But then you probably had deals where you're like, you just submit it and forget it. Mm-hmm. Like there's, so I think like the the message to brokers listening would be like, look, if you had a bad experience one time, don't let that be like you know lingering forever. Try again, and you know, yeah. and just keep going at it, right? Like because. You didn't stand the first time you surfed, you know, maybe, and you didn't, you know, or when you're skiing the first time, you didn't, you know, make it down the hill, like, <laughs> without falling and, you know, just keep doing it and you'll, and you'll, you'll crush it, right? Yeah, yeah definitely give it a try. I mean, if, if you haven't done it, a hundred percent go, but if you haven't had a bad experience, just try someone else. I mean, there are a yeah. lot of bad non-QM lenders too. Just like there are a lot well, of bad I, conventional. Uh, yeah, and I ask every LO, did your first FHA or conventional loan go well? No. no. You had a learning curve. Sure. You probably ate shit for the first year. Yeah. You know? Right. This is no different. We just, again, we get caught up in this, like, we get so used to doing things. And yeah, there there is a sense of, like, pride in this job where once you've been doing it for a few years and you've done a few hundred million worth of volume, it's like, you look at someone new to it and it you feel their pain almost because it's easy for you now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I know we've both done this. Like we can go travel and I can work from a laptop and work the same as if I was in a home office, right? Because mm-hmm. I've gotten to the point where it just becomes easy because I understand the realm and how to do it. Right. Again, just be willing to jump in. It's going to get to that point. Yep. Or you can keep letting money pass you by. Yeah, and, and yeah. lean on people that you're working with, right? Like if you've got a great relationship with your account executive. Lean on those people. Ask for help. Ask for guidance before you submit a package. Yeah, use the hell out of them, dude. Right? Make them work for every penny. Because they're, they're making money. You know it. Money, <laughs> yeah, dude. they make money. But no, I mean, and do the same with with title and escrow, right? If it's a refinance, you you pick the title and escrow company. You right. know, leverage them. Have them get you that stuff up front. Have them make your job easier. Right. So that when you submit a loan, you're not submitting like a couple pieces of paper, but you got a whole package there. Right. So that way, if you get 20, 30 conditions, you know that it's it's on the company you're submitting it to and not you yourself. Sure. Right. But if you throw stuff in there and you, you get 50 conditions, well, duh. And then you're like, well, it's so hard. Well, you made it hard. <laughs> you made it hard. You did make yeah, it hard. Do, do your job. Leverage the people who you're working with. I think, mm-hmm. I mean... Everybody gets paid only when deals close. Right. So we're all in it. 
yeah, makes everyone work together and work harder. And then there's always the one person that's like, eh, I don't care. Well, <laughs> I don't care when it closes. The last two years have been an anomaly. It's created a lot of, a lot of lazy people. Yeah. But it was so easy. It was so easy. That's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you, when you didn't have to, I mean, you could be in your pajamas for like weeks I on was. end. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Never I'm showered. Was. <laughs> I came in the office. I was wearing Viore, yeah. which is like the new pajamas. It's, yeah, it's pajamas. <laughs> publicly appealing uh pajamas yeah yeah but i mean like that's i think that's the thing is it it was so comfortable and so easy that now when someone's like hey you know in order to make money you have to work you're like what (laughs) why and you're like it's only been two years you know like this hasn't been the way for the last 20 years just two years and how quickly no one wants to work anymore so i my advice to everyone is this the rates increasing could possibly be the best thing for your career now it might hurt right now, but mm-hmm. it's reminding you that you need to work to get paid. So yep. go to work. And people are paid a lot for not a lot of time that we spend, right? On deals. Like if you look back I spend and a lot of time. You spend so much time. <laughs> um, but really we in rea- reality, right? Like let's say you make a ten thousand dollar commission, let's just say, right? For a million dollar loan, one point to earn that ten thousand dollars, maybe you spend I don't know, help me out here. Six hours, five yeah, hours? Six, 10, 12. It's really different. Yeah, sometimes 10. Yeah. yeah it's, but still, if you divide that 10 grand, it's $1,000 an hour. I mean, that's, come on. We can we can roll up our sleeves and work, right? Get yeah. to work and, and do it. Um, one thing that I've found in the non-Q business, and I just wanted to ask you guys if, if you feel the same way, is when you do these loans, there's a little more gratitude from the borrower for some reason, especially if they were turned down at a bank or another lender or somewhere else. When you close that deal and you give them the call, like, "Hey, your deal's funded," or you're, you know, you, congrats on your new house. There's some some sort of gratitude that I found with non-QM is a, just not on every deal, but just percentage-wise, like on the FHA or the VA or the, I mean, the VA obviously they respect the the military, but you know, like just any other n- normal deal that any bank could have done. When you do a non-QM deal, it's just, there's a little special, like... Well, there's, I, I think, that, like, like Austin was saying, the education even up front, that, that you can qualify, even though your bank said no. Yeah. There are other ways. I think that is mind-opening, and then when it actually happens, there's such thankfulness in the sense that I, they're not cast aside because they are self-employed. Right. Or because they do things differently than, than the rest of the world. And I think that that's a, that beyond just a thank you and, and ha- I think that's just, like, Oh wow! Okay, I still fit into this financial world mm-hmm. that's loaning and spending and giving. Like, I I'm still a part of it. Yeah. Just because I don't do things the same way, I still fit into that, and people still will loan me money. I think that that's a there's a hope special. There for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when they when they feel that, then for some reason they talk about it more and they refer you more business yeah. and they tell their friends, oh, you should use you know use Preston. He got me a loan and no one else could. I mean, yeah. some people are prideful they don't want to say that but they'll be like oh he was the best he you know he got my deal done and you know i'm self-employed so i'm harder to to, to lend to but you know have you found that in, in some of your business like you just it's more thank there's more thanks yeah there's a vibrancy in their thanks yeah you know it's like so I was like thanks gotta go back and buy my my furniture you know it's like, yeah and that that is sometimes what's frustrating is it's like this can be a very thankless job you know and people don't understand sometimes the legwork that goes in the back of it. And it's like when you do have your traditional borrower where they shop you against nine other borrowers, like you just become a number to them, right? 
oh, you beat out and got me the best rate quote. Like, I'll choose you. Like, it's just very thankless compared sure. to when you spend time with these non-QM borrowers that have been turned down, that never thought they'd be able to purchase a loan, either pay the IRS $50,000 this year that you're never going to see again, that will benefit you zero in life, or never buy a home. Yep. Like, what kind of what kind of option is that? There's not much a decision there, right? So it's like you help these people, and actually, it's, it's like once they get their keys, they're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, this is real now. Yeah. And then they start, I get, I don't know if you get this a lot, but they start hitting me up and like, they got all these plans now. Like, dude, I want to buy an investment property next year. How much can I actually do? Do you do bank statement? Yeah. And they start wanting to game plan to get into it and then they'll introduce you to their partner or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's another big thing too, is going back to earlier. I don't know why this just now hit me. Um, I get a lot of people who are 25 or 50% owner of their company mm-hmm. ask for their partner's bit, uh, information. Mm. That's right. an easy one. You already easy got referral. that loan in front of you. Right. If you see right on paper, CPA letter, I'm 50% owner of this company, who's your partner then? Yeah. You know, do they need a loan? Yeah. Love to talk they got to be Plus, struggling with I already them. got the bank statements. Yeah. I got the exactly. bank statements already. Exactly. So you're already approved. Yeah. But even having those conversations, like, absolutely. Let me let me shoot it right back over to you. This is an easy one. I'll, I'd love to introduce you to so-and-so. So even asking for those favors or leave me a review, they're mm-hmm. like, it's always yes, yes, yes. Nice. Right? Compared to having that sometimes thank, thankless feeling that can come with these in the box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I've never thought of that. You just get this. That right there could double someone's business overnight. Just by listen, I'll look, be honest. I we just already proved your partner, right and I'm right. pissed about it. Patent pending. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. I got to remember that one because I don't know where. File patent. Yeah. Because um, if you think about it, you, you literally could just. You already know they're in. You already have the bank. You could send that. You can call and be like, "Hey, did you know you're pre-qualified to buy a two million dollar house?" And I got this realtor here, Sally. Sally. <laughs> <laughs> She'll call you tomorrow to get you, yeah. get you some listings. I mean, easy. There, you go. there you go. This is movie magic. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Anything else? I, I want to wrap it up. I know we got to keep it, you know, one hour today. So I, we've given a lot of good nuggets. I mean, you yeah. you have a ton of ideas on how to originate that you know are super like industry secrets. I don't that, share uh, it with anybody. No, why would you? <laughs> but um, like, I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, there's 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 so much business. If you just take a minute, even just get out a pencil and a paper and be like, write 10, 10 numbers down. And be like, I'm gonna write down ten things before I get up, and you know where where I can get business. Whether it's like a conference, an entrepreneur conference, a business, you know, self employed, the the chamber of commerce. Go meet, have lunch with those people. See if there's anyone, you know, CPAs. Uh, the realtor, Sally, the realtor, you know, like uh, leads. I mean, there's there's a ton of business out there. We just have I, to rack our brain I would a say the, like, a nugget to go home with is, especially now more than ever, treat your clients the way that if you were borrowing money, you would want to be treated. Because for us, it's something we do every day. Like, we're looking at bank statements or look at we're submitting loans we know all the ins and outs we talk with underwriters we talk with banks investors all this stuff for us it's a different business but on the other side of that it's just maybe their only time it's a family man that's looking to get their first loan and get their home like whatever it is it's gathering documents seems easy to us because we do it all the time but just simplifying it and letting them know you're there for them talking through it what it looks like as soon as you personalize the experience 
Yep. It's no, you're no longer doing a business transaction. Yep. Your, your, your friends coming together and working towards the same goal. My goal is to help you get there. You want to get there. Let's do it together. Yep. You have an expertise in something you need help in, but whatever they do for a living, you're probably not a pro at. And so like, I would say don't, don't have such an error about the way that you do business. Mm. You know, like we wrap out and we'll, we'll laugh about some like debt to income things or whatever. But like at the end of the day, if you treat your client that way, if you, if you value them as a human mm -hmm. and you look at it, it, that will be not only a, a thankful client at the end, regardless mm -hmm. of the situation, but it will be a referral source for you. So you win financially, yeah. but beyond all that, I think if we can just go around treating everybody the way, you know, yeah. we I mean, want to be treated, it's, it's a golden rule, right? Golden rule. <laughs> yeah. And it's just being a good human, right? Be a, be a good human. Yeah. Be good, don't be evil. Yeah. You know? I mean, this isn't a nonprofit business, but it can still have the same yeah. effect. I mean, in, in fact, what's crazy is you're, if you can put someone in a home, yeah. you can change their, their trajectory of their life forever. 100%. Like that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I had a guy on the, the podcast, I think three or four times before, and he, three or four times back, <clears throat> he said the difference between a renter, their net worth and a homeowner's net worth is like 260000 Like Like a, a renter average net worth is like $6,000 or less, like $3,000 net worth. Homeowner, over a quarter million. So the difference that you just created for that borrower, that human, that person that you're, you know, helping, just you gave them like an ability to, you know, make a life-changing thing for their family, their future, yeah. all that. And in so, this world of uh, inflation, it's that's a tool. It's huge. It's a valuable tool. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it's awesome. So we're we're not you know curing cancer, but we're helping people. And hopefully, you know, you guys out there listening, that you learned something today and uh, would love to hear your comments, share, like, subscribe, reach out to these guys if you have questions, pick their brains. I mean, they're nice guys. They'll, they'll help you out if you, if you reach out to them. Happy to help. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Right. See you next time. <laughs>